0: go to your bank and you open it up and what you expected to be there was all gone (laughs) you know Um, and and because of my account is tied into Reese's account everything he had was all gone and so this is what the enemy does he tries to come in and he tries to steal what you are and who you are and your knowledge of who you are. And you will live out. And you will only live out what you believe. What you believe about yourself is how you'll live your life out. What you believe about who you are and what God has done for you. And, 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 and so if our view of ourself is twisted... If our view of ourself is somehow become skewed, you know, we're we're always going to be waiting for God to show us. And folks, how you see yourself and what you believe about yourself will impact every area of your life. Every area of your life will be impacted by what you believe about yourself. If you believe you're just some lowly thing, you'll live like some lowly thing. You'll, you'll always struggle with insecurities. You'll always struggle with, with, I don't know if I'm good enough, so I don't know if I should, should, should be here. And, and, and how many times have you found yourself saying things like, nobody wants me around. I just don't fit in anywhere. Mm. Or I'm not as good as, insert your favorite famous person, Or insert your favorite person in church. If I could just be as good as David, then I might be okay. But I'm not, so what do we do? We always struggle with this identity of who we really are. See what that is? That is the enemy coming in and lying to you about who you are. He is actually beginning to steal your identity away from you. Oh, he'll let you you just be happy and serve God. But as long as you struggle... And not the, the worst thing the enemy wants is for the body of Christ to figure out who they really are, the authority that they really have, and the understanding of the dominion that God has placed in them from the beginning of time. He'll let you believe anything else, but don't figure that out. Why? Because then you're dangerous. Then you're dangerous. Then you understand what's going on. Go to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, he says, For what they are thinking on the inside is what they really are. If you're reading the King James Version, it says, For as a man thinketh, so is he. Just in case you want the King James Version. But I like the way the Free Bible Version says it there. It says, For what they are thinking on the inside is what they really are. Not the words that's coming out of their mouth. Not what we speak, not what the lies we tell or the things, but what you really think about. Because I can tell, I told you, I've told you here year for years, after 30 some years in ministry and most of that being a pastor, you know what I've learned, Shirley? People lie. <laughs> Even good Christian folk lie. Well, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm blessed. But you know all hell broke loose in their life. They're going through hell. They're going through high water. And they're going through everything else that comes with it. And they're sitting there. And they're going, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Because they don't want to look bad. Folks, it's better for you to just say, hey, this, my life, it, it sucks right now. Things are bad. I need help. Breathe But the moment you figure out who you are is the moment you become dangerous in the kingdom. See, some of y'all just got hung up. For what they are thinking is what they really are. They say, come eat and drink, but in their minds, they really don't care about you. See, because a lot of people say a lot of things. So this series is called Identity Theft, and we're going to talk about our identity in Christ for about three weeks here. Something just good to bounce off of new creation realities. We'll jam it all together. Today, if you wanted the to title today, it's Overcoming the Dichotomy or the Identity Dichotomy. You say, what's a dichotomy? Dichotomy is this idea that in the same thing is both two things. Think of the... Uh, uh, the symbol the yin and the yang everybody know what that is right the little swirly black white that within that one circle within that same life there's both good and bad there's both light and dark that's what a dichotomy is it's within the same thing there's these opposing views and you see this is what has happened to the believers is we think that within this thing there are two opposing views there's one thing that i'm saved but there's another thing that i'm a sinner Saved by grace. Come on. When the word says you've been made new, the old has passed away. So what died? Come on, say it, Alice. You'll say it. The sinner died. So I'm not that anymore. So I've got to get past this thing of I'm not worthy and this dichotomy. Look, look at the, the definition of a dichotomy. It's a division of, into two contrasting things or parts. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll tell you this. There is such a move of the enemy right now to distract you, to move your mind away, even in this room today. Some of you may have to fight it because you'll feel extra sleepy come on I'm just telling you because this is the last thing the enemy wants you to find out is figure out who you are second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so what's the problem with those who don't believe is it their lifestyle or their mindset Why? Because your mindset, your lifestyle, and your actions are a direct result of your mindset. Mm, come on with me. How you think about yourself is how you'll behave. <laughs> Everybody breathing still, right? He said, for the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel who is the image of God should shine on them. And just as the enemy blinds their minds, he's blinded the minds of most of the church today. That they don't know who they are. We don't know what God has called us to be. We have this idea that we think, oh, great, I just want to get through this life and, and, and make it to heaven. If I could just make it in the sweet by and by. It's over then, Galen. God expects you as the body of Christ to do something right now on the earth where you stand where you live, where you exist. But if you're gonna have your minds blinded by the God of this world as to whom you really are and whose you really are, we'll constantly live out an opposite lifestyle. I agree. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. I love hearing it. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Everything God made is waiting with excitement to show his children's glory completely. That, that's from the New Century version. I like that version. We, you, we could go into earnest ex- expectations for the manifestation of the sons of God. Yeah, I know that. But I like the, how he puts it there. He says, Everything God has made. Do you realize? That the earth you were living in, everything that God has made, is waiting. I think it was, uh, it's either the Passion Translation or or the message. It says, they stand on, the creation stands on tiptoes, yearning for the revelation of the sons of God. The whole creation is waiting for you to get the reality of who you are. The whole of creation is waiting for us to quit being just this and start living as the children and the sons and the daughters of God to make a change in our world. And all of creation waits expectantly uh, for the God's glory... For God to show his glory completely. But we don't do it because we have an identity crisis. We don't think of ourselves as worthy. We bind ourselves to our past. We bind ourselves to our upbringing. We bind ourselves to what mama did and what daddy did. and We bind ourselves... You know? And we have some crazy idea that all of this stuff from my past has led me to be who I am. And because of them, I can only be this. But the word says that all creation is waiting. So, what we need to do first is, I think we need to identify how we define identity we need to define how we define identity identity is this identity identity is the conception qualities belief and expressions that make a person but you notice before it ever gets to the expressions what came first it's the conception and the quality of belief our problem is we've conceived a lie about who we are. We've conceived a lie that somehow I'm not as good as. We've conceived a lie and our quality of belief system about ourselves says that I can never be this and I can never be that. And, and, and so what we've defined ourselves is our experiences and our failures and our, and our mom's little idiosyncrasies in her life. And I'm just this way because my dad was this way. And I'm the way I am because my mom was this way. And we've labeled our kids like this. You're just like your daddy. I'm not picking on redheads, but. Well, she's redheaded. You know what they say about the redheads. He's redheaded. They fly off the handle. They get mad. Don't just look ahead, Wendy. I'm not talking about you. (laughs) We've decided that because mom had high blood pressure, I have to have high blood pressure because that's just who I am. And because my, my my dad got mad and flew off the handle and like to throw stuff and, and and kick the cat and cuss the dog. So I got to, every now and then, you know, it just gets ahead of me and I got to fly off the handle and kick the cat and cuss the dog. You know, I got to, I'm got i just like my daddy. Folks, what happens? in First Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. And all who are come into union with Christ have become new. Well, this is just a generation. Uh, this is going to get something. It's generational curses on top of generational curses on top of generational curses. When are you going to realize that your generation starts and ends with Christ? When will we realize that our generation ended on the cross? And until I get the realization of that, I'm always going to find myself following in someone else's footsteps other than Jesus. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play a victim. It's not my fault. I can't be held responsible. It's just the way I am. Mommy's this way, daddy's this way, grandpa's this way. I'm just a victim (laughs) of my upbringing. I'm just a victim of my surroundings. So what do we do? We develop a victim mentality. And in this victim mentality, We never take responsibility for our own self. Everybody breathe. Y'all are quiet today. (laughs) We never take responsibility for ourselves. Why? Because what goes on in my life, Gailen, is always somebody else's fault. Come on. I can't help it. Folks, that's, a, that's an excuse. It's a victim mentality that we've fallen into. So what does it mean to be a victim? A victim is a person who has suffered hurt, loss, pain, injustice at the hands of another person and was unable to prevent it from happening. It's not my fault. I can't help it because the enemy fights me all the time. I'm weak I'm frail I'm faulty it's not my fault it's the way God made me he made me quiet so Mm -hmm. folks we're gonna have to remember that we can't let the past hurts or experiences and pains determine how we live that's a mentality that we have taken it's a victim mentality my mom was so, so am I. My father did so, so did I. Well, it runs in the family. Come on, breathe, y'all. It runs in the family, so I guess I just have to put up with it. Folks, let me tell you something. When we relive the hurts, the failures, and the pains of our past, they will become the biggest voice in our life. And if they become the biggest voice in our life, they steal our true identity of who God says we are, what God says we are, and we begin to listen to the wrong voice. It is time that your spirit rises up and begins to hear the voice of God and declares what God says about you is true, and you... Well, I just don't want to sound arrogant. I don't want to sound prideful. This is why last week some people had trouble saying I'm a saint. Well, that's a little arrogant, don't you think? No. That's who God made me to be. Why? My mentality's wrong. Our mentality is wrong. What's a mentality? Let's define that one real quick. A mentality is a complex mental state involving what? beliefs and feelings and values and dispositions to act a certain way it's just who i am i'm predisposed because of xyz folks the only thing we're predisposed of was finished work on the cross and our identity is now completely found in him Even when he went to the cross, the word says that we're co-crucified with Christ. In God's mind, you hung on the cross for your sin. What? That's what it means to be co-crucified. Paul said we were crucified with Christ. We didn't pay for our own sin. I know that. It was Jesus. But when he took on the reality of being the vicarious man... He took on all of humanity and he was the representation of all humanity on the cross. Oh, mercy. Not only that, but the word tells us that we were buried with him. So those three days was as good as my three days. Ah, And then like Amy's saying today, we were resurrected with him. So we were co-buried with him, co-crucified with, co-crucified with him, co-buried with him, co-resurrected with him. And so now our identity has nothing to do with what we were raised, has nothing to do with who we were, come from, where we come from, the town we come from. It has only to do with the cross. And that cross has declared you holy. That cross has declared you righteous. That cross has declared you a son and a daughter of God that is your true identity so wake up and live it start believing it about yourself Amen. get up in the morning look in the mirror say how you doing daughter of God hey son of God how are you can't say that about myself why he says it about you mm-hmm. Rick Joyner said this he said nothing reveals the true character of a man like conflict in other words when things start getting real hard what are the words that's coming out of your mouth what are the words that you start thinking because a man as a man thinketh so is he so when conflict comes or hard times come are we blaming others I'm this way because somebody did this to me. Come on. Because of my hurts, I have been made this way. Not according to Christ. I don't know if I can handle this. But the scripture says I can do all things. Even handle difficult times. Even handle rough times. Even handle things that I don't want to go through. Even handle the things that hurt. I can, so when I go around, I don't know if I can deal with this. I can't handle this. I can't cope. Somebody stole your identity. Come on with me. Because the Word says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. (laughs) The Word tells me that His grace is sufficient when I'm going through things that are beyond my control. Isn't that what he told Paul? They, were, they followed Paul around and tried to kill him. Talks about his thorn in the flesh. And I know there's a bunch of crazy teaching says he was sick and he was half blind in one eye. That's all, that's all fake. That's somebody not ta- taking time to look at the Scripture, what the Scripture really says. I'll have to do that teaching soon, won't I? Because Paul's thorn in the flesh wasn't some weird sickness. It wasn't some weird puffy, bleedy, pussy eye. I can show you through Scripture exactly what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, was there was a group of people who followed him from town to town and stirred up a problem for him everywhere so much so they would turn a whole town against him, Ruth. And he begged God, man, make these people go away. What did he do? He forgot his identity. But Christ was going to remind him of it. He said, hey. He says, I beg God three times, thrice, take this from me. And and what what was God's answer? My grace is sufficient. Even when you're going through stuff that you don't want to go through, you had no idea you was going to go through, and you don't you dare say the words, I can't cope, because you live in the middle of the grace of God. You can do it. And don't let anybody tell you you can't. <laughs> Self pity. Someone else fix this for me. Or we do this. And folks, I'm here for you always, okay? I'm always going to be here for you. Ted has office hours on Wednesday. He's going to be here for you. You want counseling? Come, one of us will talk to you. But when one of us or some other spiritual person in your life becomes your go-to, other than you finding out what God says about you, we're always going to be your cheerleaders. But man, imagine how less of a cheerleader we would need if the body of Christ would just realize who she is. Rise up in the authority. Do you realize the authority you have? And I'll probably cover it in a couple of weeks from now. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, And God said, 'Let us make man just like us, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, carrying our nature, and let them have complete dominion over everything on the planet.' Christ brought this back into reality for us. Why aren't we living this? Why are we not living? <laughs> Go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. From the Easy English Bible says it this way: It says, People are the same. A good man keeps good things where? And in his life, he brings those good things out from there. But if a bad man, uh, but a bad man keeps bad things in his mind, he brings those bad thoughts from there. It is like things that he brings out of a room where he keeps them. When a person speaks, his words show what's really on his mind. See, what you think about eventually is going to come out of your mouth. And you can lie to me real quick and say, Oh, I'm great, I'm glorious, I'm grand. But you know what I found out, Emily? Just hang around for about 15 minutes. And eventually, what is really in here is going to start coming out of here. Eventually, once you can get time and get past it. <laughs> I think King James of that says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, yeah. the mouth speaks." That's right. Right, so, what is in our hearts eventually will start where coming out of your mouth. Right. What does your mouth do? It speaks. But what do your words do? Let me rephrase that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form, of void, and darkness covered over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face. And, and what happens? And God? And there was. And God? And there was. And God? How did God create? By his words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What am I creating? I'm creating my own world. I'm creating that reality by what's in my heart, the belief system that I have, the, the, the identity that I identify myself with. When I start speaking it out of my mouth, I start creating. Well, now, wait a minute. He said, let us make man after our image and after our likeness. Now, again, I don't have the ability to speak over top of Sheila. <laughs> Almost caught you, Shirley. I don't have the ability to speak over Sheila. Unless Sheila says, hey, let's join together. This is called a prayer of agreement now. And now we both begin to speak. But in my kingdom, in my world right here, I have the reality creator and in my words. So what I believe about myself, my identity that I have on the inside, when it starts coming out my mouth, I'm never going to have it, never going to get it. I guess I try, nothing just works out for me. I'm guilty, so I know you are. (laughs) Aren't you? All right. See, it's the words that we speak. Folks, I'm telling you, as young as, what do I got? 14, 15, 14, 15, 11 in here, start teaching them now. Start teaching them now. Declare over yourself who God says you are. You are more than a conqueror. That means you not only conquer in a battle, you won the war. You are more than a conqueror. Oh, glory to God. He says when a person speaks, his words show what's really on his mind. King James Version says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Strong tells us that that word heart there, because if you want to argue and you go, wait a minute, it says heart. Look it up. The definition of the word heart is the mind and the feelings. It's the mind. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speak. So know what the Father says about you. Speak the words and begin to believe what it says. And whatever fills your heart will become a reality in your life. So what? how do you identify yourself right now? You don't have to answer. But before you start identifying yourself, you need to know God's view of you. God sees you as brand new. You have no past other than the cross. Oh, glory to God. You have no past. My favorite one, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, from the Amplified Classic says it this way, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition uh, has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So first off, right now, see yourself this way yeah. you're fresh you're new you have no past wow. if I have no past I have no guilt That's right. well I just feel guilty because I didn't raise my kids I just feel guilty because I didn't do this right. I just let that go you have none <laughs> now can we have wishes I wish I'd have done it better this way I wish yeah but you gotta let the guilt go Because the guilt says that you are condemned, right? If somebody's found guilty, what are they? Condemned. You know what the word condemned means? Not fit to be used. You condemn a building, you say it's not fit to be used. So when we're carrying around this guilt about ourselves, how many in here have a past? Well, good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. How many of you have a past you would really like to sit down with me and tell me all the things about your dirty little past? Good, I don't want to know about them. You know why? All I care about you is what the cross said. And the old has gone and the new has come. You don't carry the guilt of your past anymore. Let the guilt of your past go. Begin a new identity about yourself that you are a child of God. You can do all things through Christ. You cannot be separated from the love of God. It's time for a new identity. You imagine how free some of us would be If we let guilt go, come on. He not only sees you as brand new with no past, but he also sees you just like him. You were just like your father. Ah, you are just like your father, Ephesians chapter 4. And put on the new self, which is the likeness of God. Mmm, glory. What is my new self? It's the likeness of God. Man, imagine if you'd look yourself in a mirror every morning and say that. <laughs> look at that reflection of God. Look at that glorious reflection of God in that mirror. He looks good. She looks good. Why? Because this is who you are. You've put on the new self, and the new self is the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness. Old things are passed away. The old spiritual and moral conduct is passed away. I am created in righteousness. I can't help but be righteous. See, we get uncomfortable here. You braggart. How dare you say that? How dare you declare that about yourself? I didn't declare it about me. He did. I just decided to agree with it, Scott. Yeah. Put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and what? holiness of truth Amen. it's me that's you you're not what your past done you're not what everybody else said about you you're not what your parents said about you you're not what everything else has trying to made you to be you are the likeness of God you were created in righteousness and in the holiness in the truth Amen. you're just like your daddy yeah but my daddy now let me tell you something some of you have met my father There's no guessing that he is my father. (laughs) And if you see my brother stand beside of us, there's no wonder. You could walk into a room and you would be able to pick out my dad and brother. You'd say, oh, that's Brent's dad. Oh, that's Pastor's brother. But as much as I look like them, there was a day When I put on a new self, (laughs) and as much as I look like my earthly father, I need to start looking in that mirror and say, that is the reflection of God. That is the new self, created in righteousness, created in holiness. I am the righteousness of God because Jesus made me righteous. I am holy because he made me holy. Not anything I did, not anything I could work up, not anything I could conjure up, he did it. This is my new identity. This is who I choose to see myself. 2 Peter chapter 1. Oh, y'all Okay. All right. We say it's the good news. We don't give people the good news. Second Peter chapter 1, he says, as a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that, you, that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with The divine nature. King James Version says that you are partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature of God I am in partnership with now. You are in partnership with the divine nature. Do you realize what that makes you? That puts us and reminds us of the very first call of Adam in the garden have dominion over everything on the earth. That has never, ever changed. God's idea of that has never changed about you. That call still rings out today, if you'll just believe it. He said, you are partakers of the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of this world. Yeah, but I had this calling one time. I know I was called to do this thing. But now I've, I've, I've done this in my life and I've done this in my life. I'm, my marriage went awry and, and uh, you know, all this stuff, I kicked the cat, cussed the dog. I really do like animals. <laughs> I did all these things. How in the world can God use me now? Well, the good thing about it is not only <laughs> not only do you look just like your father, not only are you a brand new, but you're still called. No matter what has happened in your life. Right. Now wait a minute. I've always heard this stupid microphone's driving me crazy. I've always heard that God will take your calling away from you if you don't do it. Am I the only one that's ever heard that? Don't raise your hands. So you're going to tell on somebody. If you don't walk into your call, God's going to take it from you. Go to Romans chapter 11, verse 29. I like the amplified, the amplified classic version of this. It says, for God's gifts and his callings are irrevocable. He's not sorry he called you. Nor did he decide not to call you just because you did something stupid. It's an irrevocable call. He never withdraws them when once they are given and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace and to those who sends his call. So are you sitting and wondering, well, I've done this and I've done this. Can I still be used? Absolutely you can. Stop seeing yourself as what you did. Folks, let me tell you something. God, God absolutely ignores the natural. And he declares over us his creative word. And that determines our futures. And God will always identify you by what he created you to be, not the mess that you've made it. Oh, mercy. He knows what he... Amy, he knew exactly what he expected out of you when he birthed you. And I don't care where your life is taking you, that call will always be there. It'll draw you back. It may take 10 or 15 years. <laughs> it may cause us to... to, to we, may, we may take some dumb sidesteps, Greg but he'll always call us back to our original calling. So what do we do? First, you've got to resolve your past. Resolve your past today. Realize that your past is dead. Come on. Resolve your past today, right now. Some of you need to repent. Repent just means metanoia. It means changing of the mind. You need to resolve your past Find out what God's word says about you. Make it yours. Meditate on his word. Speak it out. Remember, your voice is going to give way to the creation. Mm -hmm. So real quick, I'm going to end right here. And these set of scriptures will be on the information booth next week. Because I ran out of time this week. Who am I in Christ? Who am I in Christ? First off, you know this. You are a child of God. You can find it in 1 John 3 1, and we're not going to read all these because we don't have that kind of time. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, or Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Bugging me. You're a new creation in Christ. We already looked at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. You are the dwelling place of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. You are the dwelling place of God. You're an heir of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 17. You're a saint. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12. You're a priest. Revelations chapter 5 verse 10. You're a king. Revelations chapter 5, verse 10. You're a citizen of heaven. Not trying to be now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You're an ambassador of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. You're an ambassador of Christ. You are a conqueror. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. And lastly, you are his beloved. You are his beloved. Romans chapter 1 verse 7. This is who you are. And anything that comes into your mind that says anything other than these 12 things. And this ain't all of them. These are just the ones I wanted to give you today. And anything the enemy tells you other than this is his attempt to steal your identity and make you what you are not called to be. To take your dominion and run with it as something that he has no rights to. So we're starting this series Identity Theft. Well, we're just going to talk about our identity because as we move into the next month there's a lot going on we're praying here every night over these, some of this very stuff and repenting of our ways that see us as anything different than what God sees us folks you are so beautiful there's one thing that God does with me a lot of times and uh, for years he's done this and it's, it, it kind of freaks me out. It doesn't happen all the time. Uh, but there are times that he shows me how he sees people. And in that, Ted, I still see you as you. But you look so different to him. And I love it. I'll tell D all the time, I said, oh, you've got to see. And it, it, it don't, ha- like I said, it, it's not all the time I walk around and go, oh, I see, uh, you know. But there are times, and it usually happens during times of ministry, when God shows me how he sees a person. And folks, let me tell you something. How God sees you looks nothing like the way you think you are. So go with the knowledge that he has called you, chosen you, set you apart, called you holy, called you righteous, called you a saint, child of God, walking out your reality, and as you begin to speak this, you're setting your identity. Remember, your words are going to come back and get you, because eventually you'll speak what you believe. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We thank you for the gloriousness that is you. I thank you that who you are and what you are, that you have created me in righteousness. You have created me in holiness. I thank you that I reflect your nature. I thank you that I look. There is a family resemblance between me and you, Lord. <laughs> I thank you that you're reminding me of that daily, that I can stand before you and know what you have called me to be and give me the strength to walk it out and don't let me get sidetracked by the distractions of the world not seeing myself as who he, you have made me to be in Jesus name Amen <laughs>